Hope you are all recovered from opening day. This is the Just Baseball Show on Friday, March 31st. Big day for me, selfishly, AAA opening day, which is exciting stuff. No Peter, no Aram. We've got our managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein, joining me here. Uh, are you excited for me to get the minor league season rolling? That sounds like an amazing day you got ahead of you. Big, big day for you. I'm excited for it. It's great. I appreciate you, man. You were at opening day with your pops for Mets Marlins. Again, Ryan is the host of Locked on Mets. He lives in Fort Lauderdale area. So, I mean, how about being there on opening day, seeing Sandy and Scherzer? And obviously, Sandy was a bit underwhelming. Um, but but just being there for that one. And, and that environment was like City Field South. What was that like? It was really cool, man. And, and you know, my dad's uh, 57. He's never been to a Mets opening day. So it was really cool to be able to get him some tickets, go out to the game with him. Uh, it's so much fun to watch Sandy and Scherzer with also the pitch clock. Like, I'm like looking at my phone each inning like, dude, that was like a like a 10 minute inning. I mean, I it, it, the game moved quick. It was it was a blast. I do have some complaints about uh, the Marlins infrastructure to handle big crowds. Yeah. Took me two hours to get home. Took me an hour to get out of the garage. But you dude, know, it wasn't even a big crowd. That's the thing, dude. I don't even know what the World Baseball Classic was like. I know you guys were staying close, so you didn't have to deal with that. But I'm telling you, they just need a couple people in the garage to just, you know, you hold it, you let the other lane go. It's just everyone's converging. It was brutal, man. It, it was absolute. It was so bad that we're not going back tonight. That's how bad it was. Oh, I think we're, I I think they were overly prepped for the World Baseball Classic like they had a good system in play, although it did take a pretty long time and I mean, it took a long time for us and we were staying about an hour to 90 minutes post game. So, yeah. that was like the big problem there. Um, yeah, I think they were probably overly prepped for the WBC. That sucks to hear. Uh Dude, it's, I feel bad because it's like this is the one time a year where the Marlins can draw a crowd. Mm. And then you just like if they kept on drawing crowds, the game experience becomes miserable at the back end of it. It's I don't want to be complaining about that when I had a blast on opening day. But when you know you, you leave for the game at 130 and don't get home until 10, like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they got to think about at least staffing a little more on, on the one day where they draw a crowd. But hey, I think it so. is what it is. Yeah, so we're going to go almost like rapid-fire stream of consciousness through opening yeah. day. But before that, I do want to talk about the rules. And I, I want to get this out of the way. A lot of people are talking about bigger bases. They don't fucking matter, everybody. They don't matter. The things that do matter, the things that are going to incentivize um, stolen bases are the pickoff rules, the disengagement rules. A and we'll dive into like strategy of that in a moment, but... You know, shift restrictions obviously matter. Pitch clock is a game changer for the better. And I think that's going to be universally beloved. And the only people that are going to throw hissy fits are the ones that are still getting pitch clock violations on June 15th. 
Um, and obviously you've got these pickoff restrictions that are going to help base runners run wild. Um, the pitch clock, I'm, I'm going to patent this, I think. I call it the show test. Last year, I realized I could pop on as like a decompression thing. I've got a ball game, like a West Coast ball game on the iPad, and I can have MLB the show playing. And I can usually get four to five pitches in MLB the show in per one pitch of Major League Baseball last year. And then all of a sudden, I try to do that last year, and I'm struggling to get two in between one pitch. Sometimes it was game, the show, game, the show. Like it was pitch by pitch, which I think is absolutely awesome. We have entered a new frontier of baseball pace. I saw it all the last year. I loved it again. I think I I told you like clear as day, you're going to love this. And here we are with everybody freaking loving it. It's awesome it's awesome and you know i I wasn't covering minor league baseball but i went to some games last year and did notice like man these games just fly by it's it it, you're not missing anything that that's the beauty of it if you you know i was at the game i I didn't miss any of the experience the only thing that was different for me is like i don't want to go up and and go to the bathroom because i might miss a lot of action but there's so much action to watch it it was so much fun and the elimination of the shift too it's going to be awesome this year it just feels like uh, a lot more action can unfold on the field, and it's not as much of, okay, anytime a lefty pulls the ball, guaranteed out. Uh, so I think these changes are going to be amazing. I think this is going to be such a fun year. Yeah, and the shift thing, you know, obviously it benefits the hitters, right? It's, oh, you know, it incentivizes more contact because more balls in play could be base hits. Like, they, they want the BABIP to be higher. Yeah. My favorite thing about it is you get to let athletes in the middle infield feast. Yes. Those guys were not feasting. Yes. I, I watching Lindor play shortstop was so much fun yesterday to see you can actually see range again. Yeah. So I mean to see those plays that he was making. And I'll tell you what, Lindor's winning a gold glove this year. I, I if he doesn't, I'd be shocked. He looked so good out there yesterday. Uh last year he was like a little bit slow with the arm at the beginning of the season. I think yeah. coming off the world baseball classic. Man, it was that, that was that was one of the highlights of the game for me is watching Lindor play short. It's going to be so much fun. And like the best athletes are at shortstop typically. Yeah. And, and even a guy that grades out as a league average shortstop like Tim Anderson, he's going to be incredibly fun to watch this year <laughs> because he is quick twitch. He is let's get it going and let's show off the skills that I work really hard at. These dudes, like there is no out of shape shortstop in major league baseball that's starting there's no out of shape everyday shortstop so when these guys have the ability to show off what they work so fucking hard at every day we're in for a real treat the pitch clock obviously time of game is is going to be great i saw cubs brewers was over in 221 um the thing that i love about it and Gary Cohen, the TV voice of the Mets, put it really well in spring training. It, it cuts out the non-baseball time. Um, my thing is, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Like, yeah, you can actually see the competition within at-bats. And it's not like you have to wait 45 seconds between pitches. And it's, oh, what pitch did he throw on 0-1 there? Like, was that a fastball off the plate? How does he work off of that? Now, it's 20 seconds. So you can actually pay attention to sequencing a little bit better. And I honestly think that'll help the casual baseball fan ingest the cat and mouse game of like the pitcher hitter dynamic better than ever before. 
Yeah, I think so for sure. I think it's going to keep people off their phones a little bit because, you know, you, you now not only is it the fact that the pitchers are going quicker, but you are it's impossible not to watch the clock a little bit when you're in, in the stadium. So it keeps you tuned in. And, and, you know, personally, like I wasn't looking at Twitter until in between innings at all. Like no. I'm not looking at my phone for one second. Uh, and that's what we needed. That's yes. what this game needed. And I'm so happy that we are there, which is really cool. Yeah. All right. Stream of consciousness here. Um, let's start with the early slate. Atlanta beat Washington 7-2. Honestly, nothing that happened in the game jumped out to me because like Pat Corbin, you know, rabbit out of his ass again. It was like six innings of two-run ball, but like eight hits. Um, the, the thing that jumped out to me in that one was top two. It was about a 30-minute half inning, maybe less, maybe like 20 to 25. But Alex Anthopoulos hopped in the booth with uh, Bally Sports uh, South which was uh, Brandon God and Jeff Francoeur. And Alex Anthopoulos was talking about pretty much every aspect of the team in this offseason. So, of course, two, three minutes in, they they started talking about the Orlando Arcia extension, which dropped yesterday. Yeah. And I think everybody was thinking, oh, what does this mean for Vaughn Grissom, right? Or Braden Shoemake, but really the, the spotlight's on Vaughn. And he said... And I think he put it beautifully. If you want to go watch the entire thing, I don't think I've ever heard a more transparent general manager getting top two on the Bally Sports South feed um, yesterday. But he said, what's great about it is we think he is a plus defender. He is a serviceable bat. He's gotten better and he's working with Ron Washington. But it is not financially handcuffing us to make him the starting shortstop. If one of the kids is ready, we have no problem moving him to be a part-time bat, which I thought was so cool. And, and I feel like that's the way that, honestly, small markets, large markets, I think that's the way that we have to start looking at personnel on a 26-man roster. Yeah, they're they're basically you know, trusting their own analysis to say, all right, you know, we are willing to extend guys that we think can serve a role. Now, if you're you know, Michael Harris, you know, you're going to get paid a little bit more. If you're Orlando Arcia, they lock him into a reasonable contract for what's eventually going to be probably a utility infielder for them. And if not, he's your starting shortstop. And I'm pretty sure he drove in the first run for him. So, I mean, you know, he, he's definitely, you know, a guy that's going to give you like a two and a half win season at shortstop this year. If he plays there the whole year, I think. And you hope that Grisham comes up at some point, if you're a Braves fan, uh, because he has a higher ceiling. And and then RCA goes to the bench. As a Mets guy, how worried are you about the Atlanta Braves this year? They're going to be awesome. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think to, to me, it's uh, when I watched the Mets yesterday, I'm not too concerned because I'm like, this is the same Mets team. And I think this is a Mets team that can go out and win 100 games again. So I think it's going to be a fun race. Um, but it, it, the, I'm not at all thinking the Mets are the favorites here. I think the Braves are the, the favorites, but I think the Mets can contend with them. It might be the race. I, I'm thinking about Seattle and Houston, but yeah. I do think that Houston is the objectively better team, although I think Seattle has gotten better and they're very exciting. The AL East is obviously going to be fascinating. The NL West up top with the Dodgers and Padres is going to be star-studded. But in terms of like complete teams, if any division is going to pump out two 100-win teams, I feel like it's got to be the NL East this year. I, I think that there's a chance that we could see like a Giants Dodgers race from 2021 between these two teams, because it's also that pressure of having the other giant in your division that you have to keep up with. It keeps you on your toes all season long. Yes. Um. All right. 
Giants, Yankees. The thing that jumped out to me here was obviously Aaron Judge in the first inning. Holy shit, dude. He's back. He's the captain. But Garrett Cole looked like Garrett Cole again. I mean, he was mowing guys down early. He had a three and a half ERA. Again, he led the American League in home runs allowed last year. And the big ball can be a problem. But I mean, on our awards predictions, I dropped Garrett Cole as a long shot MVP candidate and my favorite to win the American League Cy Young because I think a different, I, I think a, a switch flips on in his brain when he realizes that it is go time and he's almost on an island, right? Because you've got Rodon Hurt to open the year, Frankie Montas out for the year, Seve on the IL, um, Nestor was on the IL in the spring. So he is like the only constant in that rotation. I think he's a badass motherfucker. And, and I know that People like to make fun of Garrett Cole and his voice and the spider tax stuff. But what I will say is this guy, when he's on, makes perfect sense as a New York Yankee because he has that badass MF in him. Absolutely. And to to watch him go, Cease go, Otani go, that AL Cy Young race this year is going to be unbelievable. But the narrative for Cole is really there because, like you said, I mean, that team, is there a more – I mean, imagine being on a team with Aaron Judge and you're the most important player still because yeah. I think that's where we're at now with Garrett Cole. I think so, too. He went six shutout innings, three hits, 11 Ks, and two walks. Judge, though, I love watching him. And I'm not, like, a Yankee guy. By I'm not a Yankee hater because, like, I, I don't know. The, I think the hating thing is, you know, you can leave that, like, when you turn 18. But – um. I can't stop watching this guy take ABs because something amazing could happen every single time. Yeah. How much fun do you have watching a guy like Aaron Judge? It's just it's watching greatness. It's watching Hall of Fame players and being able to realize it in full time, you know, in real time. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see him do that. And to to just start the season where everyone's wondering, is he gonna take a step back this year? Because it's hard not to when you have a season as good as he had, and yeah. he responds by hitting a home run in the first inning. He's awesome. Um, get in on the ground floor of Adley Rutschman. They beat the Red Sox 10-9. Adley, oh, it was a Kirkjian stat, I want to say. He he is the first catcher to have a five-hit gay five-hit day on opening day uh since 1900, I want to say. Like he reached base six times yesterday. He homered in his first plate appearance. Adley Rutschman could sneaky put together an MVP candidacy this year. Oh, yeah. I mean it's it's the fact that you have Shohei in the league that makes it hard to to like actually bet on that. But man, if you're just talking about just most valuable players to a franchise, just just a function of what a player does for a team, we saw it last year when Adley came up. The difference of what the Orioles were before him and after him. If they're gonna make a push to the playoffs, it's gonna be on his back, and he showed he can carry that load. I mean, that's an unbelievable start to the season. How about Brewers Cubs? You catch any of that one? I mean, Strowman, and we talked about it yesterday. Like Strowman in the big moment is a different beast. I think Strowman's second time through the rotation. You know, if they're on the road and Strowman starts, I don't think he's this guy. But like opening day at Wrigley Field, sellout crowd in forty degree weather, Strowman's going to show up for this game. Also, don't slam the panic button on Corbin Burns because his first start last year looked very similar to this one. And I know that he struggled at the end of last year. He's still Corbin Burns. 
thing that jumped out to me though was I I mean the Cubs could be real man the defense looked great uh they they hit when they needed to I don't think that they are you know I think that their ceiling is third in that division I think that their floor is third in that division but it could be a relatively fun year for Cubs fans I don't think their ceiling is third in that division I think their ceiling is second I think they could be better than that Brewers team I, I really do wow um and you know the reason why I say that is because I could see things going sideways for the Brewers where at the deadline they trade Burns and and crazy. You know, it, it it could happen. So and I also just think that sometimes, you know, if you you put enough of the right veterans together uh, on a team like the Cubs where you have a summer at Wrigley where things could just start happening for them. I think Dansby Swanson was not talked about enough this offseason. Such a good addition just to watch him. At shortstop for them, having him and Horner up the middle, you know, Stroman is so much fun to watch. I know that firsthand. They can be a pretty sneaky good team. I'm not saying that I would bet on them to beat the Brewers this year, but I wouldn't say it's impossible that they can be second place. I don't think anyone's catching the Cardinals, but I think that, you know, could they be a third wildcard team this year if everything breaks right for them? I think they possibly could. Yeah, and again, I, this is an opening day overreaction, but hey. right. I'm in. I'm totally in on the overreactions. And again, we we have a whole bunch of corresponding editorial stuff at JustBaseball.com. And one of the articles is literally opening day overreactions from our guy, Clay Snowden, which is going to be flat out awesome. Um, Yeah, man, I I hear what you're saying. Like everything needs to break right. And the Brewers need to tear it the hell down, I, I think. So I still think that they're a little far away from being a postseason team. Um, I, I think that Milwaukee's lineup is a bit better than the public may perceive it as. And we know what that starting rotation depth looks like. But I do love that Hayden Wisniewski has a spot this first time through the rotation. Like I like that they are not forfeiting starts with an Adrian yeah. Sampson and Adrian Sampson could be a great guy, but he's not Hayden Wisniewski. I would like to see Assad start over Drew Smiley, but Assad in the bullpen could be really good. Um, yeah. So I, I am firm on the third place, best third place worst, but I can absolutely appreciate where you're coming from here. I'm all the way in on, on these Tampa type games. I'm like pushing my chips in on this Jose Siri, my King, and Wander Franco Homer, Shane McClanahan, six shutout with six punch outs. McClanahan, I, I think, should get MVP bets on him at the pre at the beginning of the season every year for the next 10 years. I think that this guy is flat out disgusting. And a quick a quick push of uh show and go with Taylor Davis, our uh player interview driven podcast. We just had Albert Almora Jr. on today's episode, so go listen to that. I thought it was an absolutely fascinating conversation with Almora, former New York Met, by the yep. way. Um, but Al- Almora, I, we told him 30 minutes. We ended up going an hour with him because he was so interesting. But I asked him at the tail end, most uncomfortable at bat that you've had in your career. And it might have been recency bias, but he said McClanahan. Like it wow. was just he was guessing wrong every single time. I think McClanahan's the truth. And this Rays team, I guess I understand why why Peter picked them to win the AL East. Yeah, you know, they are just, there's no holes in that team. And every year they find a way to to have one of the best bullpens in baseball. Their rotation, like there was a time when we were looking at the Rays and it was the opener thing. 
they got a bunch of dogs in that rotation now. They don't have to go to openers anymore. They got a great rotation, and we, we still know that you know, this could be the year that Wander breaks out. Randy is showing to be a really great player. Uh, I think he's he's gotten underrated weirdly over yeah. the last couple of years because he wasn't an MVP like he was in 2020, so to speak. Like the, the, the he wasn't the playoff guy all the time. So we we're like, oh, is he who we thought he was? He's an awesome above average player across the board. So they got a lot of talent and that division race that I think it's going to be a three team race that's going to be really exciting to watch. I'm sure you were keeping tabs on a DeGrom's first start, not in a Mets uniform. How'd that make you feel? Happy? I, I a lot of emotions for me, man. First of all, get off the highway to to go to the game. Find out Justin Verlander's on the IL. Right about when Jacob DeGrom is throwing his first pitch as a Ranger. So imagine <laughs> Mets fans feeling where you're like, is Verlander going to be the hurt one and DeGrom's going to be healthy? Right. Is it a Mets thing or is it a DeGrom thing? <laughs> I, I, we've, it, it felt like Mets are cursed. It, it really did. Uh, and then he strikes out Trey Turner on three pitches. And I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. It, it's going to be Cy Young, 200 innings, biggest mistake the Mets have made. So, yes, I hate to say it as someone that has loved Jacob DeGrom since the beginning of his career. I was thrilled to find out that he got knocked around and gave up more extra base hits than he ever has in a start. Uh, so, yeah, dude. But, I mean, three and two thirds, six hits, five earned. He did strike out seven of the of the eleven outs that he recorded. Yeah, he'll be fine. But that's kind of crazy, crazy to come from the Phillies without Hoskins, without Harper. Um, but Nola sucked too, and the Rangers ended up winning that game. So that was just a really weird one. I just wanted to get a ear pulse on Jacob Degrom. Hey, he got I, run support, man. He got a ton of run support. Good for him. He did, unfortunately, he didn't get the win. No, I feel like the yeah. win might be the most elusive thing in Jacob Degrom's career. Oh yeah, if he ends up in the Hall of Fame, is he even gonna have a hundred wins if, when he gets there? I, I don't know. It's, what was his crazy. Cy Young year in eighteen? Was 10 it ten nine? And nine? Yeah, 10 with like a with a one eight, right? Yep, and he had a triumphant tenth victory in his last start. It was like he got to double digits. <laughs> he might have gone eight innings to get there. But Meanwhile, yeah. you probably got a couple guys at twenty that year too, and he's just pumping out a one eighty RA, and he gets his tenth win. And he's got a scratch and claw there. Um, St. Louis Toronto was was a crazy game. Ten nine, the Jays on top. Uh, Ryan Helsley, the losing pitcher. I don't know if he lost a game last year. That game was back and forth. 19 hits for Toronto, 15 for St. Louis. Both these starters didn't look good. Um, The thing that jumped out to me, let's start with the St. Louis lineup here. Obviously, Jordan Walker was nice to see him get a knock, but Brendan Donovan in the leadoff spot, three hits, two ribbies, that homer. And then you've got what Nolan Arenado with a multi-hit day, Goldschmidt with a multi-hit day, Wilson Contreras with a multi-hit day, although he was a little banged up. Um, I, I love this lineup top to bottom. I think that this is, if not Atlanta, if not San Diego with Tatis, St. Louis may have the best lineup in baseball. It might. And that's what frustrates me that it didn't go out and get any pitching. Like, yeah. even if they had just traded for Pablo Lopez, I mean, how much better does that make them now? So uh, I think that their lineup is, is clearly going to win the Central, but... I think either someone's got to break out or they got to make a move at the deadline to have a real ace. And Jose Quintana started the first game of the playoffs with them last year. So uh, they got to figure something out there. But that was a great game. And also Dalton Varsho. How about a debut for him? Everyone wondering how he's going to adjust to the leagues. And he had a, a great first game with the Blue Jays. 
He was awesome. He was one for five of the run scored in an RBI or in a two driven in uh, Alejandro yeah. Kirk drove in two Vladdy two for four with three ribbies thing that jumps out to me. They've got the best one, two punt to the top of the order than any other team in baseball. George Springer, five for six, Bo Bichette, four for six, simple addition. Top two in your order are nine for 12 with six runs scored in that game. That plays all the time. And they almost lost. They almost <laughs> lost. Bo Bichette is a fantasy baseball merchant. Can we can we acknowledge yeah. that? Yeah, he's a, he's unbelievable. He is batting average, homers, stolen bases. Fuck the defense. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, the defense no longer matters. Doesn't matter. Only takeaway from Pirates Reds, Hunter Green in at 101, O'Neill Cruz out at 111, about three quarters of the way up those right field bleachers. Yep. Welcome to the new frontier of baseball. And if, listen, I watched two, two and a half months of O'Neill Cruz up close and personal last year. If we get the best version of O'Neill Cruz, we're looking at a guy that like is a transcendent talent in baseball. Like all the hyperbole we use for Ellie De La Cruz in the red system right now. Don't forget about it with O'Neill. Cause obviously everyone knows like he is the stat cast darling, like sprint oh, yeah. speed, arm speed, exit velo. This guy can hit 30 homers, swipe 30 backs. Yeah, and what's crazy is that home run they hit was like 425 feet, like the sixth, the sixth longest of his career. Like he has five that are that are better. And also late in the game, puts his team up with a sack fly. You know, yeah. and then it wasn't the home run. It wasn't just the one swing of a bat, you know, just raw athleticism. It was, you know, have a MLB at bat and get the job done for your team. So yeah, I think an all-star season could be coming here for O'Neill Cruz and um, they need him to to be that guy because because he can really be the franchise player. And, and a quick shout out to my guy Jiwan Bay, who I also think is making his case. Reached base three times. He was two for three with a walk. He swiped two bags. I think Bay is going to be one of the better leadoff hitters in Major League Baseball. He was in the eight hole yesterday, but I mean, he started at second. He finished in center. That's the type of guy Jiwan Bay is, and he's not going to strike out, and he's going to hit the ball on a line up the gut a lot. Uh, I think Jiwan Bay, like we could be visiting at the end of the year. Bay might be one of the more underrated players in all of baseball. Uh, let's get to your game real quick. Mets, Marlins, major takeaway from that one. Was it Sandy not looking like Sandy? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, it was to, to me from the Mets perspective, it was this lineup, you know, very much looking similar to what we saw last year, putting together at bats. You know, Starling Marta had like an eight, nine pitch at bat against Alcantara. So that was really good. And then also, I mean, to see the Mets bullpen hold up without Diaz, I think David Robertson, I, I tweeted out first of 40 for David Robertson. I actually believe I, I had on, on my podcast, Locked on Mets, I did bold predictions. I predicted that David Robertson's going to lead the National League in saves. It was a bold prediction because, you know, it's the episode. But I think that that is suddenly one of the most important moves the Mets made to have him. Yes. Um, and it was clear that that he really came through for him. And, and that's the thing, man. I mean, a lot of uh, a, a lot of the national media is saying, oh, you know, this Mets bullpen gets exponentially worse without Edwin Diaz. Yes, comma, but yes, but you've got guys like David Robertson and you say, oh, David Robertson's like 38 years old, 39 years old. OK, but he has closed 
for 15 years in Major League Baseball. Like he was the heir to Mariano Rivera. He was the next closer of the Yankees when Mo retired. So Robertson has ample experience being one of the most prolific save getters in the American League, whether it was with the Yankees, with the White Sox. He's bounced around and he's been a ninth inning guy. So having a ninth inning guy, like I think it would be a different beast. And I'd honestly be more concerned if it was like, Adovino or Brooks Raley that was the closer in place it's not you got a real closer in place of the best closer in baseball that's out and I think you know when Diaz went down everyone was freaking out about to me I was never worried about the ninth inning because they had Robertson where I'm looking is the seventh inning you know because now Robertson isn't able to be one of the setup men you know you have Adovino still really look great Drew Smith he did not, you know, he started off a little shaky and he was able to get through it because he was pitching as the bottom half of the Marlins lineup. Yeah. Um, also, I will say from, from a Marlins perspective, Arise makes such a difference uh, in that lineup. I mean, they actually have a, a well above average hitter to lead things off. Garrett Cooper, like one yeah. through four, really one through five, they're not too bad to have Segura as an above average bat, to have Cooper Arise, Jazz, of course. And then Solaire, you still fear him. Then it falls off an absolute cliff. But yeah. they, they have a couple hitters. So Sandy might get some more wins this year. I love watching Luis Arise. He's awesome, man. And that I, ballpark's I, perfect for him, too. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people... Yeah, I obviously some people were watching Twins games last year, but I don't think the national attention was on that guy. Like McNeil's batting title was a lot higher profile than Arise's yeah. batting title last year. Um, I don't think it gets higher profile in Miami compared to Minnesota, unfortunately for a rise. But um, if you're turning on Mets Marlins or Braves Marlins or Phillies Marlins, I think you're going to be really impressed with Luis Arise as a table setter. I think that guy is one of the more underappreciated hitters in major league baseball. One quick question. Second too, honestly. Yeah. um, Not not to say he's going to be great, but I don't think he's going to be a liability. No, like fine. Second baseman. Fine first baseman, um, and and I guess he can hop over to third for a game, or like probably hop into a corner for a game. He's he's a utility guy with his home at second. Yeah, yeah, and Jazz, Jazz in center. That's going to be. He made a nice catch. He made one nice catch, but then he also the the RBI double that that led to the Mets victory did not take a good route trying to cut that off. Lost his glove. It was like okay, there's there's the adventure that's going to be out there for the Marlins. Yeah, here's Jazz. Gold Glove season starts now. All right, uh, one question about Arise's former team. Minnesota got the win 2-0 over Kansas City at Kauffman yesterday. Just two hits for the Royals lineup. Is Pablo Lopez really good? Is the Royals lineup really bad? Or is it a combination of both? Combination of both. Uh, You know, I I don't think that Pablo Lopez is going to be a Cy Young candidate. But he's going to be damn good. I think he led, like, he had the most swings and misses yesterday. Now, part of that is the Royals bats swinging and missing, but uh, a great start for him. I also saw that uh, it was like the first time a Twins pitcher has had a shutout and an opening day start on the road since Brad Rackey, 2003. I just want to say Brad Rackey's name. You remember him? Not not really. So I appreciate <laughs> you dropping his name because his name would have never come up. Of course. I, I, that's what I'm here <laughs> for. It, it was right at the line of where oh, that name is familiar to me, but barely. Yeah, um, very Rockies win, 7-2 in San Diego. I have no takeaways from this one. Xander had a three-hit day. Nice. 
There's, I actually have one. Hold up. Javi had a tweet about the Padres. Let me pull this up. From Javier Reyes, who, by the way, wrote a kick-ass article on JustBaseball.com. It was, um, wait, what was it? Ten bold predictions for the 2023 MLB? It was like ten ridiculous predictions. I, I, I think he actually titled it that. It was something, it was just him. Like, one of them was, to, to kind of tease you for the article, that, uh, John Heyman will misspell Shohei Otani's name in a free agency announcement in the offseason. Yes, yes. Another one. And like he'll, you know, break down all of these in like only a way that he can, which is weird and fun. But another one, Zach Granke says that he has a new pitch and never shows it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that is a great article to check out. The, the, the tweet that he had was he said, inauspicious beginning for the Padres 2023 season, losing 7-2 to the Rockies. They're now 17 and 23 against them since 2021. The Rockies have the Padres number in a pretty big way. So I was a little surprised to see that, but it's, it's the Rockies are a weird team. It, they're a really weird team. So I have no idea how the cookie's going to crumble for Colorado. Um, White Sox Astros, obviously this was the game of the night. It was the, the quote unquote Sunday night baseball game. Dylan Cease looked fucking great. Uh, and then, I mean, after that, you had late drama. It was nice. Yes, Mighty Grandal hit a home run. Honestly, I can't, I can't place too much stock in like an opening day nuke because things can go downhill very quickly for a guy like Yas Mighty Grandal. What I will say is, if Cease looks like this, Cy Young incoming. Ten yeah. Ks, no walks. He told us on again on Show and Go with Taylor Davis. We had him on beginning of March, maybe end of February. Um, he said fastball command and working on a changeup is something that I really need to do. Fastball command was there six and a third, two hits, 10 K's no walks for the guy that led the American league in walks last year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big one for him. Limit those walks and he's going to be amazing. Also for your white Sox, big hit from Andrew Vaughn. They're, they're going to need him to step up in a big way. So good to see him get off on, on the right foot there. I'm incredibly high on Vaughn. And now we get into the late slate here. Angels A's 2-1 win for Oakland. I got a text from my buddy Tyler Rocky, who does great stuff at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Uh, he said, Angels are tungsten armo doiling early. And by that, he means, I, I think there was a viral tweet that was like, Mike Trout homers, Otani does something that hadn't been done since tungsten armo doyle in 1905, and the Angels still lose 3-2. Uh, that's what happened yesterday. Otani looked great on the mound, and they lose two to one. To the, to the A's, I mean, look, Kyle Muller is is a pitcher that has some promise. So it's not to say that they went up against a complete scrub or anything, but you can't find a way to scratch a couple of more runs for Shohei, and then the bullpen blows it for him. You know, it, it's there's always so much hype on, on the Angels going into each season because why wouldn't there be? They have Otani and Trout. And it feels like it could once again be another Angels year. So, I mean, we shouldn't take too much from one game, but there's a microcosm for what the Angels have been the last five years. It was what we just saw on opening day. So four innings. I Muller went five, four hits, one run, three punch outs. Four innings against Zach Jackson, Domingo Acevedo, Trevor May, who you knew way too much about, and Danny Jimenez. One hit in the final four innings. Can't True. do that against a bullpen with no recognition like that. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like they have just no MLB hitters in that lineup around. You no know, Trout, no Tani. 
you got Renfro now, you know, you got Drury, like you have other guys that you brought in to hopefully lengthen that lineup and, you know, first taste of it didn't go well. God. All right. Hot take. Do they trade uh do they trade Shohei or do they just try and make it work with an extension? I, I really again yeah, overreaction theater here. Yes, they trade him. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> God, I don't even know if I can overreact that drastically. I don't think they trade him. They just they just hold out that they can extend him. I I don't know. It's just you want to be the team that had him and, and lost him for a comp pick, but I think that's optic suicide if they trade him. You know what I mean? Like I think that is such a horrible look for the Angels. You know, there's there's actually a couple. Where it's like it's it's managing, you know, what in a vacuum you should do with your franchise for assets. And to me, it's if there's only a 20% chance you sign Shohei Otani, take the 100% chance that you can add four or five players that can help you for the future. That's one trade that I think. And the other one, just watching Glaber hit a home run for the Yankees, that's another interesting one where it's like for the, it, I don't think that they want him as their long term guy. So you would think trade him and you can go with the kids up the middle. Yeah. Problem is Glaber is a guy they need this year. So I, I think teams always have to weigh that. And ultimately, if you have World Series aspirations, easier to just say, all right, we're going to keep the, the guys. If the Astros, I mean the Astros, the Angels are five games under in you know June, July, are they gonna they're going to be canvassing. They're going to be thinking about it. They got to think so. be thinking about it. I think, I think you are open to receiving calls. Like, yeah, I love that from, and I can totally just see Bob Nightingale tweeting that out. Right. Uh, Perry Manassian is receiving calls on Shohei Otani. I, th- like I think the phone doesn't work always. I, I hate that. It's it's like, they're always receiving calls. It's not, they put the phone on do not disturb ever. I'm I'm gonna like find Perry Manassian's email and I'm gonna say, hey man, is Shohei available? And he is receiving interest in regards to Shohei Otani. So of course. yeah, that is that is an umbrella report that grinds my gears big time. Uh Dodgers D-backs, eight two win for the Dodgers. You mentioned James Altman before we started recording. Altman's a guy that I'm really high on. Will Smith is another guy that I, I think everybody's really high on, but Will Smith was three for four. With uh, four driven in, James Altman was two for three with a homer. This Dodgers lineup might be really good top to bottom. You know, on on who's better baseball, I've been doing these these comparisons of teams heading into opening day, and I just did Padres Dodgers this week. And you look at every single facet of these rosters on paper, and the Padres should be winning this division. And I kept on coming back to, but it's the freaking Dodgers, and we don't know what they're going to pull out of their hat. Maybe it's Altman this year where suddenly, you know, they have a guy that's going to be you know, their next center fielder. I, I don't know. I mean, they are just a machine in the regular season. So no surprises there. They went opening day, and they're probably going to keep on winning, and they might have another 100-win season, even though it doesn't look like they should, based on who's on the team. No, I mean, I think it was consensus among Peter Arm and I that uh, they were going to finish with under 100 wins. So naturally, when that happens, they're going to finish with 110. Oh, yeah. So, uh, And Julio looked decent. Now to the other Julio, uh, who was quiet, but game of the night last night, it was Mariners, Guardians, it was Shane Bieber and Luis Castillo. Both guys looked fucking fantastic. Bieber, six shutout, just three punch outs, but that's not really Bieber's game. Castillo, six innings, a one hit shutout ball, six punch outs, no walks. And then you turn it over to that bullpen. Matt Brash made Jose Ramirez look like a moron. 
Paul Seawald got the win. Andres Munoz got the save. Munoz obviously pumping, you know, gasoline out of out of the back of that bullpen. But then it was Ty France. He, his homer, only run producing hit in yesterday's yeah. game. That truly felt like an ace off yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and and felt like a playoff game between two teams that obviously had those aspirations that was you know i wrote the article the what we're going to be the viewing guide you know heading into opening day and that was the game i circled like as good as that matchup of gallon was in the nightcap i was like bieber castillo and those two teams yeah j-rod didn't do much but still that that's man i i think the mariners have to be the team with just the most intrigue where we're going into the season we want to watch this team and see if they can really do it and really not only, you know, contend against the Astros in this division, but like be like a real juggernaut this year. They have all the the tools to do it. It's yeah. it's the most one of the most complete rosters in baseball. A hundred percent. All right. Um, just to wrap, I'm gonna run you through my favorite pitching matchups of the weekend, right? Because okay. th- there's some serious intrigue. Friday tonight, 8-10 in Houston, Lance Lynn, Christian Javier sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got Merrill Kelly getting the ball against Dustin May in L.A. tonight as well. Uh, on Saturday, I guess Wheeler and Yavaldi jumps out in Arlington. Um, you've also got, I don't know, like Tyler McGill and Edward Cabrera kind of has some sex appeal for me, but nobody else. Really? I really? guess. It was supposed to be Verlander Cabrera. Uh, I, I look at tonight's game a little more like Lizardo Peterson. Lazardo Peterson could be really interesting. That that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then on Sunday, uh, I'm looking at the battle of uh, the the young lefties in Washington. Mackenzie Gore gets the ball for his first full season, really, uh, against Jared Schuster, who's going to be making his major league <laughs> debut. I think that game is going to be really interesting. Uh, and then Mets Marlins Kodai Senga makes his MLB debut against Trevor Rogers, who couldn't have been worse last year, which is fascinating. That's that's going to be a fun one for sure. I can't wait to see Sanga make that debut, see what he looks like. And then you got Sunday at 2.15, Chris Bassett gets the ball for Toronto against Jaymont for St. Louis. If Jaymont's good, that quells my concern for the Cardinals rotation a little bit. Still need help, though. Fink, you are the man. Thank you for jumping on. Go listen to Who's Better Baseball. Give us the premise again for those that may not know. So basically, you know, obviously it's been you know, put out as a debate show a little bit, and we will do that. But really, I, I want to tie it into editorial, and it's a simple question each show. Who's better at baseball? That can mean which teams are better between two teams, which players are better compared to players, or it could be, you know, someone like Jaymont, if he shows up this year and is having a breakout season, he's gotten a lot better this year. Let's dive into it. So it's wide ranging. It's a shorter show, half an hour max. Um, a lot of fun, and I'm and I'm gonna be having a lot of our new writers coming on board too. So that's gonna be good. You get some new voices uh, from just baseball. Hundred percent. Our website is uh, it's not slept on because the traffic is excellent, but um, I, I think that that is one of the best things we do at just baseball. The editorial team kicks ass. You, Leo Morgenstern, uh, and the rest of the writers as well. Two notable tweets before we go. Sarah Lang's um, tungsten Armo Doyle Shohei Otani's outing was the 26th since at least 1901 with 10 plus strikeouts and no runs allowed on opening day. It is the first time that pitcher's team lost the game. So there you go. New heights for Shohei Otani. And then Jesse Rogers, 
There were 21 stolen bases on Thursday, the most on an opening day since 1907. Success rate was 91%. Base dealers were 21 for 23. Average time of game, two hours and 45 minutes. Baseball's all the way back. Happy weekending, everybody. Every link you need is in the show notes. And we will talk to you on Monday. <laughs>